Hello and welcome to the first episode of a Latter-day Family Podcast. I'm Latter-day Doofus. I'm Latter-day Snark. And we don't entirely know what we're doing, but we're doing it anyway. We have our five-month-old here with us, so you'll probably hear him making some appearances with his various noises. Just to give you a little kind of peek into why we wanted to do this, we definitely don't think that we are experts or in any way... Uh, more qualified than any other couple to be giving advice or pontificating on gospel topics or anything like that. And that's not what we'll be doing. This isn't a scholarly presentation. This definitely isn't a you know relationship or marriage and family therapist type thing. Um, really, we just wanted more authentic content to be available, especially from the Latter-day Saint community, things that are wholesome, but also authentic. We didn't want to really feel like hypocrites. We decided, or I decided that I wanted to do it, and Latter-day Snark is being very gracious and going along. So uh, now that we got that out of the way, let's get to some of the content. So we thought a good place to start to uh, introduce you to our family would be to talk a little bit about how we met, how we started dating, and all of that. I will let Latter-day Snark take it, pick it up from there for kind of lead to how we started dating. Yeah, so like he said, we... Uh, knew each other for about two years, and during that time, we were uh, acquaintances more in the um, singles branch that we were in. <laughs> and, you almost uh, doxed us. Almost <laughs> which <laughs> singles branch it was. It could have been any branch in California. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> it starts with a no, but it could be anyone. And... Um, most of the people in our branch were on the younger side, like uh, freshmen in college and uh, people that were living with, living with their parents and they were 18 or 19 or 20. And I was, I'd been in the branch for a while and I was getting to be toward the higher end of the age bracket. <laughs> so I was about 28 and I uh, felt like the grandma of the ward of the branch. And, um, and you were, in actuality, the Relief Society president. So, <laughs> so in many I was ways, the grandma of the brand. <laughs> you were the mommy. Anyway, so I'd kind of uh, felt like I'd had it with going there. And I was decided that particular, this particular Sunday, I decided I'm just going to start going to my family ward. I can't come here anymore. Kind of simultaneously to her experience, I, not being quite as close to aging out, um, had been admittedly enjoying playing the field and dating as many girls as would go on dates with me. Um, but kind of more just for the entertainment and amusement of it while I waited to find somebody that was actually the right person to marry. Um, in my patriarchal blessing, it was very specific that there was someone specific that I was looking for. And so I kind of viewed dating as kind of thinning out the, the prospects to narrow it down and figure out who it was that I was supposed to marry. And so I had always respected and admired snark and um had her it's, it's weird to not use your real name and uh and had really thought highly of her but because i kind of knew that i wasn't that sincere or that serious in my dating i didn't want to waste her time and ask her out on a date and also her being four years older than me and me still being in college her being done with college having a full-time job and just otherwise being a really 
wonderful, beautiful, intelligent woman. I was intimidated by her. I'll admit it. So <laughs> it was basically a, an acquaintance, like she said, but I had not had the guts to ask her out on a date yet. But on that particular Sunday, I noticed her sitting uh, in, well, it was our sacrament meeting, but it was held in the Relief Society room. And I noticed her sitting alone and looking, you know, pretty miserable. And so I, I think I asked if I could sit by you during the meeting. Is that right? Or am I misremembering that? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was after that we talked? They had like a linger longer Dang afterward. It. I was kind of at the end of the end of the food getting and you had, were at the beginning. So you'd gone and set your food down at the table and then walked away and left it there like a little bait <laughs> or something. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that anyway, was a trick I'd, I would do. Anyway, I, I would leave my stuff and let someone else sit there, so I didn't have to decide who I was. Gonna sit I by. didn't know he did that trick, but anyway, so I saw someone was sitting there, so I was like, "I'll just sit next to this person." So I went and set my food down there next to yours. Okay. And that was how we sat. But next we to each were other. sitting next to each other, and I remembered that part. <laughs> we were. Uh, if if it hasn't been clear, the uh, moniker Latter Day Doofus <laughs> is actually not is not a mismatch. I have a horrible memory. And so uh, you'll regularly hear me be corrected on my memory. But anyway, I noticed that she was not having the greatest of time. And so I asked her how things were going. And I, this part I do remember, she said, I'm hanging in there. And as somebody who is normally very positive, and, and like I said, you know, she was the Relief Society president of the branch. I was Elder Scorn president. We interacted pretty frequently. Um, and I knew that she was much more of a positive person than that. It stuck with me. And so that afternoon, I just kept thinking about it, and I kept thinking about her, and then we texted a little, was it that afternoon, or was it not until the next day that we started you texted texting? Me you you that, picked it up from here. <laughs> you texted memory. me later that day and asked me if there were, you could if I wanted to talk or like if I needed anything, and I blew you off and was like, no, I'm fine, yep. <laughs> basically. And then... You... But gentlemen, rejection is only delayed acceptance. <laughs> remember that <laughs> sometimes <laughs> if it's a polite rejection yeah. then you can ask again yeah and all right and it was polite asking as well <laughs> well then so then you texted me the next day again and with more concrete uh plans for meeting up and talking and then i said i said yes <laughs> yeah and and little did i know at the time but I asked her to go to lunch or for a walk. No, yeah, wait. you asked me to go on a walk at a specific location that I won't say. <laughs> Thank it was you. near the ocean. <laughs> and at the time when I got the text, I was already walking there um, with some other family members at that exact spot. But you pretended like you weren't. And we're like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. It sounds great. So I went home <laughs> and then <laughs> I met you <laughs> later that day. I'm pretty sure I told you, though, once we were together. Yeah, I'd did. already been walking there. All right, so that was the longest-winded version of our origin <laughs> story. I promise we won't be quite as long-winded, but when, when Snark has to uh, help me through my geriatric memory, I have to uh, take extra time. So all this to say, we did not start dating until after we had known each other for a couple of years. But that first date, how long did it last? I know. I know how many hours do you? I don't know the exact hour numbers. Ah, it was 11 hours. <laughs> An 11 hour date. I don't know the exact hours of the day, but it was something like 11 to 10 yeah, at night or something. Yeah. Um, and we just absolutely 
hit it off. I mean, we, we love talking to each other and had a, a natural flow with um, how we interacted. And from there, it was pretty quick work of getting to, <laughs> to be engaged. It was, uh, I don't know you're, if you want to give the timeline, you can't a brief summary of the timeline. I don't remember the exact. Um, we dated for about a little under two months before we got engaged. And then we were engaged for about three months. It was a fast process, but yeah. we didn't know each other for a long time before we even dated. So that helped. Yeah. All right. Speaking of dating, we thought it'd be fun to kind of answer a couple of pre-planned questions just to keep us from rambling too much. And SLC said she wanted to hear funny stories. So we're trying to incorporate that as well. So the prompt is, what's one of your worst dates? And it can't involve me. <laughs> and one of my worst dates was, let's see. I had been set up on a blind date with... Um, Somebody that was, yeah, somebody that was a friend of mine told me that there was this guy that she knew that she thought I would hit it off with. So she set me up on this blind date and it ended up being a group date. So we're going to meet with two other couples. We were going to go to this pizza place that was supposedly really super great, but it was like an hour and a half drive away. And he was going to meet us there and I was going to drive up with the other two couples. So. I met them at my work and after I'd worked my full eight hour day and it was like six o'clock or so. So we drove the hour and a half up there. People I'd never met before. So I'm, you know, in the car with them for an hour and a half talking, <laughs> which if you know me, I'm an introvert. So <laughs> that was not a good start for me. And when we got to the pizza place, apparently there were two locations for this, this pizza chain. And my date had gone to the other one, which was another hour away. And so I ended up, uh, and then he said he wasn't going to come to the one that we wrapped. He was just going to eat his food at the one <laughs> that he was at. <laughs> and I got to stay with the other two couples as the fifth wheel. So in the, I didn't know this until I'd already ordered an entire pizza for myself. <laughs> So I awkwardly ate my pizza and uh, with them. And, you know, when people are on dates, they want to take their time. So they were, they took their time yeah, with their, on, on their, their date. dates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was by myself and they tried very nicely to include me, but it was really <laughs> awkward. And then afterward, he said he would meet us at whatever the next thing. I don't even remember what it was that we were going to do because they were having fun on their dates. They wanted to continue. So we went to the next location and it involved him taking a train there and me riding the car with them. So then we, we got there and he somehow had not gotten on his train. So again, I'm stuck with them. <laughs> well, I don't even remember where, what we oh, were doing man. at that point. I had actually given the rest of my, you know, three quarters of a pizza <laughs> to a homeless man on the street because <laughs> I didn't want to carry it around the whole night. That homeless guy was more of your date than your actual date was. Seriously. <laughs> so anyway, so long story short, I ended up, you know, finally meeting up with him at like one o'clock in the morning at the train station so I could meet him and we could go 
back to where my car was an hour and a half away on the train. Did you know the Holy so, Ghost goes to bed at midnight? <laughs> apparently. <laughs> in that case, it was. So then, anyway, so then I ended up getting to talk to him for a little bit. I think the train was actually faster than the car. So it was like an hour mm-hmm. on the train. Still super loud. Oh, my god! You know, it's like yeah. a... <laughs> <laughs> not a quiet place to talk to. So, conversation, yeah. Yeah, so we finally got back to my car, and that was the entire date. The one hour I spent on the train with the person. Oh, my god! And about, like, four hours of awkward, at least four, yeah. <laughs> of awkward interaction Fifth with wheel other people on dates. Wheel, yeah. Fifth wheel? <laughs> yeah. Two couples. Yeah. I mean, I know that's not the worst <clears throat> date for anybody of all time, but it was bad for me. For you. <laughs> Sounds pretty bad. <laughs> Um, yeah, mine, what mine doesn't even compare. I, for the most part, only dated members, um, for obvious reasons, but I was not a hundred percent closed off to dating non-members because I, you know, had heard some success stories of the whole flirt to convert theory. Um, and in those days I was, you know, not wanting to limit my prospects just in case that was the route. And so I had, uh, I was at a junior college at the time and in one of my classes, there was this girl that I, I thought was really attractive and, and was, you know, interested in her. And so I would flirt with her regularly. And I there were a couple other friends that were in the class. And so whenever the, the group of us were together, we'd all kind of joke around and goof off. But most of my flirting was directed to this one girl in particular. And she would flirt back, but or so, or so I thought. <laughs> but... There was another girl who was her her close friend who got caught in the crossfire and thought either thought that I was flirting with her or just didn't care that I wasn't and still wanted to have a go at it. And so she ended up asking me out on a date. And I believe, okay, this is where I get to have my own version of my memory because no one else can correct me. (laughs) I believe she asked once and I said no. And then she asked me again a few weeks later, but it was in a really awkward, like mixed crowd situation. And I felt too rude to say no. And I was like one of those very low key, like, hey, we should hang out and do this thing that, you know, go to this place that everyone goes to. And so it wasn't as obvious as a date. And so I couldn't really squirm out of it. So I agreed and I thought, well, what's the harm? You know, one date with her, it's not going to be a big deal. So before the date even happens, she calls me and talks my ear off about how she's so excited to finally be going on a date. I mean, this is a woman in her well into her 20s, so excited to finally be going on a date and how she talked to her sister and her to tell her that she actually had, quote, a date, a real date. And she was so looking forward to it. And her sister couldn't believe that she was actually going on a real date. So no pressure. And then we finally got to the destination that we were going to. And the entire time I was just so awkward because she was the nerdiest, most uh, just dry. There was no connection. We had no chemistry. And the whole time I just was like analyzing, how did she ever think that we could hit it off? But I, I sincerely think to this day that she just saw me so jubilant and excited and getting along with and flirting with her friend that she kind of had this association that, oh, he's really comfortable and fun to be around. He's really like, you know, a nice guy, a flirtatious guy or whatever she was thinking. And it was not enjoyable at all to me. But of course, after the date, you know, we, we endured and ended it. And I was like, okay, good. I got that over with. 
she would not let it go. Like she wanted to go on more dates and we were in these classes together it was, we were part of this music program. And so we were in classes and it wasn't just like I could ghost her, which that wasn't a term in those days, but that, that concept existed. So there was no way to politely reject her. And so I finally had to just tell her flat out, I'm not attracted to you. Cause she was like a very <laughs> linear analytical person. I was like, I'm just gonna tell the truth. I was like, I'm not in any way attracted to you. And she still wouldn't take the hint. She was like, well, can we just still be friends and hang out sometimes and do stuff together? I was like, no, I really am not comfortable doing that. So anyway, that's a long-winded kind of not just the date, but that date was kind of the culmination of, or maybe the beginning of a, uh, a long and drawn out breaking up with someone that I was never in a relationship with. <laughs> that's a good job being honest though. Well, uh, yeah, except that it didn't, <laughs> it didn't work. work. <laughs> so I should have just made up an elaborate lie. The only thing that worked was like pretty close after that, I started dating somebody else, like actually dating them. And then it became more obvious that, you know, I was obviously unavailable because she saw me with her. So that helped. All right. Can I talk a little bit about my Thomas Kincaid thing? <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> Do I ever stop talking about it? No. All right. So I have this thing that I say regularly about things in the church that have a certain aesthetic. So like, for example, on a given Sunday, I'll say this talk is like if a Thomas Kincaid painting gave a talk. <laughs> and what I mean in that comparison, and by the way, I know that like, I can't remember the exact statistic, but something like one in every 20 homes in the US has a Thomas Kincaid painting. So if you have a Thomas Kincaid painting or two in your home, or if you're a big fan, I don't mean to offend you. But for me personally, this is why I can't stand the Thomas Kincaid aesthetic. <laughs> I hate to burst your bubble if you don't know this, but most of his paintings that are sold as original works are, of course, prints that he or another trained artist put a few last finishing touches, a few dots of paint on. And then he just like assembly lined, signed, you know, one after the other. And I don't think that there's anything inherently terrible. I mean, the, the paintings are, are nice looking, but they're just very generic they feel very um there's nothing deep or interesting about them and honestly to me personally if you've seen one thomas kincaid painting you've essentially seen them all and mm -hmm. so that's a problem that i personally have with man i sound so apologetic where's the desnat in this <laughs> no. i need to re-record this with a desnat tone this <laughs> yeah. is like this is verging on progmo <laughs> i don't want to hurt anyone's feelings but <laughs> Uh, no, but I, so my, my thing is the Thomas Kincaid aesthetic or, or kind of subculture in the church is as long as everything's very churchy and, and feels good and feels nice and feels familiar, then that's as deep as we need to go. And that just drives me crazy. And that's, you know, I mean, I bring up Desna, but that's one of the things that I love about the people that we get to interact with on Twitter, because so many of them are authentic. And so when they're having a crappy day, they will admit it. When they're having a good day, they'll admit it. When they're doing great on a particular, you know, commandment, they'll admit it. When they need to improve, they'll admit it. But the common thread is that they have an unwavering commitment to the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. And that to me is much more authentic than kind of skating along and pretending that the only thing that's expected of you as a church member is just that Thomas Kincaid level of, of commitment. Just kind of show up, do your thing, you know, look like everyone else, talk like everyone else, act like everyone else. So again, 
we don't think that <laughs> anything that we've said in this podcast is of any value to anyone's eternal progression. No. <laughs> <laughs> or to enlighten or enrich your intellect by any means. Like if there are any linear analytical people listening to this, I'm sorry you wasted your time. Please don't listen to any other episodes. This You must have misunderstood the, the intro. But as far as kind of the entertainment or the connection or just that cathartic interacting with other other authentic people, we hope that others will be inspired. And, and if you think you can do a better job, please do. Like we would love. Yeah, we'll listen to you. <laughs> yeah, we will. Lo- we would love listening to you. We would love it if there were several couples podcasts out there. So if you are in a relationship, an LTR, <laughs> and you think that you could talk your significant other into a podcast as i have with snark thank you again for that how much i love you (laughs) (laughs) i I thought about asking for it for christmas but i didn't have to play that card thankfully um then please do because the the whole point of this is not because we think that we have some grand thing to offer or that we are so advanced in the gospel that you can just glean from our glory no we um we are just here to be authentic and to be a latter-day family and there are so many other Latter-day families that need to add their voices. And we felt that it would be hypocritical to complain. I mean, especially me, complain all the time about this. Well, I guess both of us, you complain quite a bit. Yeah. About this Thomas Kincaid <laughs> aesthetic in the church and to not do something about it. So hopefully you were slightly remotely entertained. Hopefully you had maybe a laugh or two. Even if it's at our expense, we're good with that. We'll take that. And maybe you can add your voice or voices and do something unique and different and authentic so that there's there's just more ways for us to connect. Because I, I sincerely believe that if more of us were to put our authentic voices and selves in the mix, then more people who don't feel like they fit in or don't feel like they have a place would see that they absolutely do. So please create and share and we will consume and enjoy. And uh, we'll we'll see how this goes. <laughs> we'll yes. see if we can keep it up. We'll see what we can do. No promises on how frequently we can do it, but yeah. we, will, we will try. Any last words of wisdom? I don't think so. All right. So thank you for listening. Thank you for enduring, especially if you're still listening. Wow. <laughs> thank you, Anna. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll, maybe you'll hear us next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.